X is O. Welcome back to the podcast daily. It is Monday. Uh, that is Bill Landis and Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Ward. And Saturday's scrimmage did reveal some information. Xavier Johnson will wear the block O for Ohio State this year. Uh, an inspired pick. Couldn't be uh, a better guy to represent the program. In my estimation, I will throw my support fully behind it. I thought the other guys who were captains had a great claim to it as well. Tommy Eichenberg and Cade Stover will round out that group. So just a, a three-man leadership group. Bill, uh, what do you make of these decisions? Uh, not not surprised that it was Xavier to get the block O. I think if we, uh, if we did a draft of most likely block O recipients, I don't know that I would have picked him first. But he would have been in the top three for sure with the other two guys who were captains, as you mentioned. Uh, I do find the pairing down of the number of captains um, interesting. And maybe we could ask Ryan Day about that. I don't know. It's not that interesting. It's not interesting enough to waste a press conference question on it, I guess. But uh, they have not had <laughs> three. They've not had three captains since 2009. Um, it's been a long time. Like it's more traditional, like offense, defense, special teams. Uh, and like last year, they had seven last year six like it's been six seven eight like most years going back at least a decade so now there's only three um i actually kind of like it I, I i appreciate the old school approach to to naming your captains you don't need an entire 11 man captain team three should suffice but if you only name three then everyone's gonna wonder why certain guys aren't captains you know what i mean like if you name 47 captains then people in the fan base don't have to go well how come the 48th player is not a captain. You know what I mean? Also, Austin, how long did you think of the X is O, uh, you know, intro to this episode? How long did I think about it? Uh, yeah, how long did it take you to come up with that? Because I, when I, I personally was not expecting that sort of <laughs> like creativity. And it, it just sort of stunned me this morning. You challenged me to expand and bring some like lead style uh exuberance to the start of the shows you got tired of hearing me say hey everybody welcome back and i thought that you know i how long did i think about it i don't think about the start of the show until right before it happens which is how we get some accidents like we had on the stock report last week that will be maybe we'll reveal that one someday to our audience but i thought it was a natural fit and if i had been writing a story on saturday about it when it happened that's what i would have led with it's, I mean, I like it. I was just curious. But no, I, honestly, the three captains, those guys make sense. I do think people will, will wonder, like, how come a guy like Marvin Harrison isn't a captain when he's clearly someone that we all know is the hardest worker maybe in Ohio State football history, um, in, in, at least when it comes to his position and the, the timing he puts into it. And we've seen him evolve as a more vocal leader. And I think there's obviously an argument you can make for a number of other guys to be in that group, but what Tommy Eichenberg and Cade Stover and Xavier Johnson mean to this team and to the offense, defense, and special teams respectively is clear. And uh, you know, those are those are three dudes who take things very, very seriously. And I think that's the underlying message of this year's team is that there's not really a time for excess, whether it's excess captains, whether it's just you know spending time um, worrying about things that are past and these are three guys that don't really spend a lot of time focused on last year or awards or anything like that and i think that they're a good group to lead the way here's what i think happened ryan day and the team sat down in the team room i said here's your ballots please nominate two captains to lead ohio state this year but you can't vote for yourself so 
83 people wrote down, oh, okay, Cade and Tommy, we're done here. And then Cade wrote down Tommy and Xavier Johnson. And then Tommy wrote down Cade and Xavier Johnson. So there were only three people that got votes. Hmm. It's like you were there. You're painting a picture for me. <laughs> I mean, we don't, we're not going to waste. Today. <laughs> we're not going to waste. Uh, one of those press conference questions later today, Monday, in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center with Ryan Day on that. But I'm just going to assume that that's what happened. And then from there, we'll move on to other things that we don't know that happened on Saturday. Bill, where should we begin? Hey, Ryan, do you have a quarterback? <laughs> you always have such good questions. Just just ask it like that. No, I mean, like, we're, we are we are at that time. So it's... I think it's that. Do you have one? And frankly, if he does have one, he's going to say it without being asked about it. I would think. Um, although he did, he does this, he does this thing sometimes. I mentioned this to Austin last week when we were in there. He'll tell Jerry that he wants to go straight to questions, and then when after the first questions asked, he'll make an opening statement, <laughs> not answer the question. So maybe he'll do do something like that on Monday if he decides he wants to announce a starting quarterback. But even if he doesn't announce a starter, then it's we we dig into the thought process again, right? Like. What's the separation like? Why having it named a starter? What's the timeline? Are you going to play two guys against Indiana? Like all the stuff we've been asking them all along, it just kind of opens that can of worms again. If, if we go to a press conference on August 21st and there's no decision yet on the quarterback and we're two Saturdays away from them playing a game. I know on Friday I had said I, I expect him to name a starter on Monday or Tuesday. And here I sit now and I actually believe it's probably going to drag on another week. Like I, I, I don't know why. I just think that if there's no if there's no separation, then there's no hurry to make a choice, and there shouldn't be a hurry to make a choice, right? So, if if you still are in this mode where where you don't feel strongly inclined one way or the other, which I believe that that is the case, even you know despite the fact that everyone wants there to be a, a controversy about it, I, I just think that you don't lose anything by waiting another week. If that's if that's what it takes, and um, I don't want that to happen, but I, I'm, yeah. I, I think more and more it seems like the value here, like what what does Ohio State gain by telling the world who their starting quarterback is on September second or third or fourth? What day is that game? The third. <laughs> the, the third. Just say the, the first third. Saturday in September. That's the easiest way. I I just I'm I I start to wonder like is there value here? Internally, people will know, obviously, the, the week of the game. I, I think you have an idea, but I don't think that it matters if the public knows. And I'm beginning to wonder if Ryan Day might be just enjoying the cat and mouse game. I don't think he's enjoying it. I, I'm going to take – there's two things that you said. You never that know. Some people are masochists. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, there are two things there that I think are interesting that I think we should explore. The, the first is what is the public value? I mean, you're not trying to trick Indiana. If you have to keep your starting quarterback hidden from the Hoosiers, maybe don't worry about playing the rest of the season because that's a game that either one of them should be able to win. It doesn't, it won't change the way Indiana prepares, the blitzes they use, or any of the other schemes that they've come up with for nine months. So I don't see there being, uh, you know, gamesmanship value for Ohio State in that regard. And I do think that. My personal feeling is that it's similar to keeping the injury information under wraps last year. It comes as, as a disservice to the players involved. 
if they have to continue to listen or hear, and and I know that they do a pretty good job of blocking all that out. They don't care what anybody thinks. The longer you let it continue to go where people split into camps and they think this person wants Devin Brown and this one wants Kyle McCord without any of us having seen more than two practices in the course of a month, we don't have a lot of information to go off in that regard. Uh, I think it's unfair to them. If it's clear who your starter is at Ohio State and it's clear who the backup is, you should remove any possibility that negativity or or tribalism or whatever splits or not just the, well that's that's yeah, what i'm the, saying though if if it's close if it's still neck and neck if you don't have separation then why force yourself into making a decision but okay so that's the other part i think that's that's worth exploring so i'm not saying that you're wrong i'm just gonna play devil's advocate if the second scrimmage is in the books and you're into 20 practices this is the week where you're kind of a little bit of a breather. You're installing the game plan, getting ready for Indiana. Like These aren't the full-go, fundamental position battle practices of the rest of the month. So I guess I'm saying what would change from today to the following Monday or Tuesday of game week from these practices? I don't expect them to be the same level of competition that existed previously. So that may mean, if you are right, and I'm not saying that you aren't, that that would, if they don't name one at this point, that seems like you're more closely walking up to two quarterback territory against Indiana. And I don't think that Ryan Day wants that either. Bill, do you think he doesn't want it, but will take it if that's what he has to do? Because that's where I'm leaning. I, I, it's weird, but I think that there's a, I think there's a, a better than zero chance that they go into the first three weeks of the season playing both guys. I, I, I I don't know why I'm feeling that way today. Maybe I'm just a little groggy uh, from a weekend of high school football. But like, I, I if if it's as close as everyone says it is, then why not use those first three weeks as live, you know, um, live reps to see how they do when the lights are on. I I don't think I I would have really given that any thought prior to camp, but. Now I I can see that scenario happening. I agree that it's it's non-zero. I don't think it's I don't know if it's higher any higher than like ten or fifteen percent chance that, that happens, but I do think it's on the table. Um, it's interesting to me. Like I, I guess Ryan Day has said this about all his quarterbacks, but he always says like, you know, you can't really tell until you put them in a game. Well, he does have an opportunity to put them both into a game if he wants to. Like it, I know it's a Big Ten road opener. Indiana is not a particularly good team. Um, I, I really don't see a scenario where Ohio State gets a scare put into it by Indiana and then the next two weeks you know Western Kentucky might throw the ball around a little bit but I don't think they're much of a threat either Youngstown State certainly isn't you have that opportunity if you want to the schedule sets up for you to do it it's not quite set up the same way it was set up for Michigan last year when they rolled out one quarterback one week and then a different quarterback the next week but it's not it's not so dissimilar that I think Ohio State shouldn't do it um so I don't know. I, I I think like as you guys said, his preference is to not do that. I think his preference is that it has been clear, made clear by this point that someone is the starting quarterback. And if it has been made clear, I think he will say it. Um, for all the reasons Austin said, I, I agree with that. I also think there's something to giving that guy the confidence. And like, it's not like a public vote of confidence that is often a harbinger for bad news. I just mean like <laughs> this is our guy. We're rolling with him. Like this is the guy that we picked. We got two weeks to get ready for Indiana. Here's our guy. Um, I think that is worthwhile to say if if you know. Um, yeah, if you know, that's sort yeah. of the key, though. 
Yeah, and and but I, I I'm I'm with you, Burm. Like it's very possible that he does not know, and then if he doesn't, and I think also makes a great point about the nature of practice this week. It, it is not typical camp stuff. It's like a calm before the storm a little bit, and probably more game prep than anything else. Um, I don't know if he can see separation in, in that kind of environment. So if you don't know now. I don't know what would change between now and, and September 2nd. And if that's the case, then maybe he does play too, which is this, like, I, I'd be okay with. This battle is so much different than any of the other QB competitions Ryan Day has had to parse through since he's been at Ohio State. So, like, you know, it, back in 2017, he wasn't getting the opportunity to make the full decision, obviously, at that time. So I don't think I'm going to count that one. Uh, but 2018, when, when Joe was dealing with the injuries and Dwayne sort of, getting anointed the starter because of what he did in 2017 at Michigan. It, it, the momentum was all there for Dwayne to take that job. And then obviously Joe, um, you know, having to Joe deciding to move on opens that door and shuts it pretty firmly in 2019. It's not a battle. There's no one, there's Justin. And then there's nobody in 2020 there's Justin in returning in 2021 there's CJ and then three freshmen. And you weren't going to start the freshmen no matter how talented they were. And then now you have this battle, which is, I think, the most like realistically um, a fight. And, and I think that it maybe it makes it harder than he has thought it was going to be to make this decision. I think in, in this hypothetical and playing amateur psychologist to get into it, I think there's a benefit to naming it and letting them go prepare for Indiana, either one that you pick and not having them look over their shoulder, which when I think about the difficulties that Cardale Jones and JT Barrett had trying to deal with that back and forth, it, it kept, it kept both of them from becoming the best versions of themselves because they were constantly worried about making a mistake. And I think that there may be some element of that playing out over the last week or week and a half, uh, you know, with, and I'm not saying it should be this way, but it, it, it could be uh, that, you know, Kyle McCord coming in as a projected leader, ex veteran guy, seems like it's his job to lose. Doesn't, you know, if, if we hear that he checks it down in a few practices and he's not turning it over, but maybe not making uh, as many throws down the field as Devin Brown, I think that could be because you're trying to protect a lead where Devin Brown has nothing to lose and can go out there and take shots and, we saw in the open practices a turnover on the first day, turnover on the second day that we got to watch. Like, it's okay. He can shrug it off because he's trying to make something happen from behind. I think that there can be a, you know, a mentality change that comes from establishing a pecking order. Again, I could be a hundred percent wrong about that, and I probably will be. But I think it's it's one other piece that has to go into the conversation or the decision making process for Ryan Day. That, to your very point, Berm, like it is probably a lot more complicated than he thought. And the way that people respond to adversity and challenges and practices and all those things is going to be new. And it's, it's not as clear cut as hey Justin Fields is here or CJ Stroud is clearly the leader. Like th that hasn't transpired this month. And maybe, maybe the way that it's played out is part of that. I think that's a good thing though. Right. I mean, I think the reality is if for, for human nature is to be protective of something when you think it's yours and if there's a part of Kyle McCord that has been a little bit real, you know, dialed back or dialed in, I don't know that that but we've seen that in practice because what we've seen has been so uh, hodgepodge and so difficult to figure out because of the split squads and the 
pass rush and the way that the offensive line was in the times we've seen things. And uh, all we know and what we see is when they walk off the field, I don't look at Kyle and think that that's a kid who looks shook or anything like that. Um, but obviously Devin and Bill and I, you know, we, we've, there's been parts of this road to get here where both times Bill and I have been like, but Devin Brown, Oh, <laughs> it, something feels different. And, and um, it's all based on such minimal information and talking to people who are in practice and, but no one at, that, that we talk to in practice is saying there's a clear difference. And so, uh, you know, I think the the funniest thing that's really happened here is the people believing. And this is something we talked about before the first scrimmage. Like, I don't care who the starting quarterback is. Like, I, I, I think the challenge here for Ohio state is, how do you pick the guy that's going to win you a national championship when neither one of them have played any real football in college? And if you aren't sure of that right now, if you're not 100% sure of it, walking into the press conference on Monday morning, then there's no reason to, to say it. What do you do? You, I mean, you could just, you know, I guess in Devin Brown parlance, you just, uh, you know, go all in and say, hey, I'm going to just put the chips in the middle and, and let's, oh. let's, let's wait for the flop and see what happens. Wow. Well, he, got, nailed it. He, he got that one right. Yeah. Well, nice. You can do that if you want. Yeah, I was reading about flops this morning. Um, <laughs> you can do that if you want to, but is that the way to handle the country's, you know, second or third best program? I, I don't know. I mean, I think you, you want to have data to, to support this decision. And Ryan Day said they've been, they've been analyzing everything. They've been keeping track of everything, stats of everything. Like, how many? How much of this do you need to make a decision? And if you, if it's truly still neck and neck after the the whole spring and now twenty practices in the fall, like how do you, how do you then come to that decision without gameplay? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think I my my overwhelming feel, feeling is uh, we've been quite blessed to not have to cover something like this. For- for a while it's been pretty straightforward uh which in the moment i did not appreciate but i long yeah, for it's those so times. annoying honestly this is annoying <laughs> it is I, uh, yeah they're gonna have a good quarterback man like that's that's like it's all the information is piecemeal we have not seen enough practice i think to have any hardly in one way or the other um and like the result is they're gonna have a good quarterback. So like I don't, I don't I hope they name one this week so we can stop talking about it. But if they don't, they're still gonna have a good one when the game comes around. They should let the us circuit. vote on it. Yeah, that that's really helpful. Um the circus around twenty fifteen was definitely enough to carry us for eight years, but that warranty <laughs> expired and now we have to start over. Yeah. This is at least this is not as bad as that, at least. At least yeah. in my opinion, it's not. Well, yeah, because they're not coming off of a national championship right. where they're talking about benching the guy that won the national championship with the guy who was a Heisman finalist. Like, <laughs> kind of a weird thing. Oh, by the way, replacing a offensive coordinator with two offensive coordinators, neither one of which you think it actually should be your offensive coordinator. Um, yeah. All the while knowing that the head coach is just going to call QB power every single time that <laughs> something goes wrong. So it's kind of a weird God that year was just uh, a disaster. Fun times. Fun times. Yeah, that's the way I remember it. Um Bill or Berm, any anything else you think you have to get out of uh the press conference later on today, Monday? I mean, 
I'm going to just going to speak for Bill here. I think you have to know who your left tackle is at this point, right? You had another scrimmage. Is there separation there? There's so few positions on this team, which is amazing considering how much we've been able to talk about over these last three weeks of camp. But there are so few positions that actually have question marks that it's it's just going through the details of each one. It's figuring out how someone like Mitchell Melton fits in. It's how how does he like. What are you doing to make sure CJ Hicks is on the field without taking Tommy Eichenberg off the field? What are you doing to to solve the the safety rotation problem? Is there a problem? And I use that word lightly. Is that you know how do you avoid that being a problem when you have all these guys? Like I don't think that there's a lot of like bigger picture questions about this team except for quarterback and tackle. That's it. Yeah, yeah. and like center, I guess is unsettled, but I think we all no, it's that. not. We know yeah, it's not. No, I, yeah, I, like right. It just hasn't been hasn't been said. Um, we're gonna talk to Jim Knowles on Monday too, which I think will be useful to to get some of those defensive questions answered. Uh, I'm glad that's happening. I'm I'm curious about like the Sonny Styles usage and if he in fact will not come off the field. If they plan on moving him around, if they're gonna treat him like they treated the nickel last year when they took that position off the field to put a third linebacker on that kind of stuff. I don't I don't know if Jim Knowles will be interested in the getting into all of that. Um. And I'm also curious about uh, Carnell Tate, like guys like that, like younger players who we all know have bright futures. Like, does Ryan Day envision a scenario where guys like that can actually be any kind of part of the offense this fall, or if it's a more of a future proposition? I'm super excited for the first person to ask Jim Knowles about the Jack position and how he feels about it compared to what people oh, believe yeah. that the defensive line coach feels about it after uh, Thursday when there seemed to be a little irritation uh, displayed by the venerable defensive line coach. So that, that'll be fun because I guarantee you that question's coming. And so we'll see how, how uh, coach Knowles answers that. I vow not to ask about rotating defensive linemen. It's out here. It's on the record, America. I'm going to sit that one out. I'm done with it. So what do you, what do you want to ask? Uh, I do. I'm not curious about the usage of the Jack. I'm curious if they think that that's a role that's better suited for Mitchell Melton still, because it seems like his camp is has been pretty strong. All the things I'm hearing about him and talking with him and on uh, Thursday of last week, how good he feels physically. Um, I mean, I, I compared to not being able to play football at all. That seems obvious, but you know, is it how much is that going to be his role? How much is that? A CJ Hicks spot to get him involved. You know, both of you guys have touched on that and their their ability. But like, I Jim Knowles clearly believes in this position. It's part of his scheme. It's part of his approach. And Ryan Day was brought in to let Jim brought him in to install that. Uh, we've made a big deal out of Jack sort of playing Jack sort of playing out of position in that, and it didn't seem natural. Maybe they didn't have the personnel for it. Like Jim Knowles has turned that position into a wildly productive one with a lot less talent to work with in any form or fashion than what he had last year at Ohio State. So it's a little odd to me that it didn't connect last year. And, you know, is is it going to be a key part of it? Does he no longer think that it's important because the other personnel is so uh, dynamic or deep or dangerous or whatever D word I can come up with? Like, the, is the Jack still part of his plan like i don't know i would like to know he doesn't seem to ever want to give a straight answer to that either yeah did did he run the jack like some people run the option and you do it because you are less 
talented as a group and you're trying to figure out a way to get numbers off or did he run it because he just likes that position in football? Because I, I do think that there is some philosophical question there for Jim Knowles. Like you are now playing with 11 parts of the defense that you can do anything you want with. You don't need to try to scheme up a numbers advantage. If your guys generally are better one-on-one, obviously you still want an advantage if you can get it numbers wise. And that's part of being a defense coordinator, but it seemed like last year, they were trying to fit a, a square peg into a round hole. And I just don't, you know, maybe that was because I didn't feel confident in the, in the pegs, but now like you have guys like CJ Hicks that are, are there. You have a full year of Mitchell Melton after last spring, when you thought clearly he was going to be the guy at the Jack. I mean, he, and he had a, had a great spring a year ago until he hurt himself in the spring game. So I, I do think it is a philosophical question for this defense. Like, where is this going? And, and I, I, I agree with that i don't know bill what do you think you hate to jack i don't care what they call it just let me watch cj hicks rush the passer <laughs> oh whatever the hell you want i don't care it's like I, I, we've gotten to the same point with it with the bullet position like i if if it was just if they just said like in the preseason hey cj is going to play a little defensive end for us i don't think we'd be, talk- we'd be talking about it as much as we have so um th- no there are interesting questions i guess about the depth of talent and whether or not that position was devised as an equalizer I'm, I'm sure on some level it was although like he started using it in the mac it's not like he started using it when he was at the bottom of a power five conference so um i think it's probably not quite that it has been described as such i think by some fans but it's not like a a, a get even kind of gadget thing i think it's just quite, it's a position he wants to have in his defense so he's the coordinator he should get to do it if he wants to do it um whether <laughs> or not football, they do it or how much they do it this year so like funny. i don't know Football people, the terminology thing is funny. Like, yeah. why do you need to come up with a different position name for it? Like, it's just another linebacker who can also rush the passer. Is um, anyone the king of the jungle? That's what I want to know. <laughs> that's well, what the Leo. Bengals, that's what the Bengals called. Pretty clean. Well, that's what we thought it was going to be called initially. Who goes? That's what it was called last year at Oklahoma State. Yeah. yeah. Leo, Viper, Bullet, Star. Star. They're all the same. It's all the same thing. It just depends if you're putting another defensive back in that position or a linebacker in that position. That's it. That's the only thing that's different. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to try to get more answers about the Buckeyes later on today, and then we'll have some snap judgments to break that down on the podcast. Uh, Hopefully the picture becomes more clear because we are inside two weeks until Ohio State opens the season at Indiana. Thanks for kicking off your week with us here uh, with the podcast daily. For Bill and I am Austin. We will talk to you later.